Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about Blizzard, watch it very carefully, make sure it's not doing anything important, and then it is doing things important, and we tell you about them because that is what we do. I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me this week, we have one of our usual co-hosts and a special guest co-host filling in because Alex couldn't make it this week. Um, I'm going to introduce him first since he's, you know, this is rare that he's here, so we should well welcome him, make him feel welcome. Uh, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. What's up? Hello. What you doing this week? Anything interesting? Um... No. Okay. I tried. Um, also, with us this week, she's here every week. She's been here more often than I am, quite frankly. I'm not entirely sure they ever let her leave that room or get off of the thing. I think she's just on Skype waiting for us constantly. Uh, Ann Stickney. Ann, what about you this week? I lurk and I wait. It's time. No. Um, <laughs> Alex, I thought so you were mad gonna... that you called back. Uh, well, no. See, the thing is, is like sometimes we do callbacks and we'll call back to the pre-show. But honestly, if you want to hear the pre-show, it's a dollar a month on Patreon and you get access to it. So if you feel like wanting to know what these in-jokes are, it's a buck a month. <laughs> and you get to listen to us babble about pools, cheese, and, cheese. and the Mojave Desert. Yes. Um. So, yeah, that's really all I have to say. <laughs> Um, what happened so far this week? Not much, but I'm looking forward to... I ordered Bonds of Brotherhood, like I pre-ordered it, the, <laughs> the graphic novel for the Warcraft movie. And, um, well, it's a prequel for the Warcraft movie. But I pre-ordered it on Amazon. It releases today, and I don't actually get it in my mailbox until tomorrow. So I'm kind of chomping at the bit, waiting for that to get here. You notice that book's um, available on Kindle, or if it's just paper? Yeah, see, it was. It, it Apparently, now it is. When it, when the pre-orders were open, it was not. So ah. if it had been, I would have ordered it, like pre-ordered it digitally, and I'd be reading it right now. Well, no, yeah, I was, wouldn't. I'd still be doing the podcast, but you know. You're doing a podcast while reading it. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> great. Whatever you guys are talking about. I can't believe they did that. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just thinking in towards the future for me after I do the eye thing this week. Uh, so. So yeah, I got I got that to read, and then the Warcraft movie novelization came out, and I'm gonna be reading that over the weekend after I see the movie, which will be Thursday, and I'm very oh, I'm excited, so excited about that. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to go see it Thursday, but you know, couldn't quite work that out. Well, so that's okay. For, for me, it's Saturday. Um, hopefully in time for lore watch because we're going to talk about the movie on lore watch so i should hopefully have seen it by that point i'm probably depending on what the movie is like and honestly everything that i'm hearing from the people who were at the premiere yesterday is like good so i'm probably going to go see it again on saturday because why not (laughs) yeah i so i'm seeing it on thursday uh the like 7 p.m show and i'm taking my brothers to see it and I, I want to take my girlfriend to see it later in the week, too. But I've heard so many people say, oh, yeah, you have to, you know, see it twice to catch all the little things. But I'm excited for it. Yeah. Well, you know, might as well just move on and talk about that then, since the movie preview premiere was this week. It was yesterday, right? It was last night. Was it last, yeah. It was yeah, last night. in Hollywood. So um, they did a live stream of that. And uh, I, quite frankly, was busy dealing with health issues, so you guys can probably talk about that, and I can sit here and go, ooh, ooh. It was pretty <laughs> cool. They like they hosted the live stream. They showed a lot. There, I think people were kind of under the misconception that they were actually going to stream the film. Oh, no. God, uh, And no, guys. Yeah. There I, is I no little... <laughs> major motion picture company in the world that is going to stream a film three days before it comes out in theaters. That's not happening. That's, I was, I, it I was doesn't matter how long you've been playing the game. That's just when that got not clarified. happening. Um, but yeah, they had they they had they had like interviews and stuff going on on the red carpet. Well, it wasn't a red carpet; it was a black, it was a black carpet. Yeah, black carpet they, affair. They decided not to choose red or blue because they didn't want to pick a side. So. <laughs> Smart of them. But they had people that were like all dressed up in cosplay, and then they had a lot of people who were dressed up as the Stormwind Guard. There was like a procession thing. Jamie Lee Curtis was there. Oh, in, yeah. she was. That was a great interview. If, in if you full orc makeup, yeah. what the heck? If you haven't seen, even just watch it for that. Just watch that interview because yeah, well, she Jamie was at Lee BlizzCon Curtis. last year in full cosplay. She likes to do that. Yeah, yeah, and it was pretty. It was pretty fantastic. I was like, I was really. Um, I liked her costume, and I'm kind of hoping that maybe she wears that to BlizzCon this year. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want to see that in person. <laughs> I know. But yeah, last year she was running around. I think she was a Forsaken, correct? Yeah. She had a big mask yeah. on. Nobody knew she, who she, she was. was. I think like a, a female Forsaken yeah. um, rogue or something. But She was yeah. she was in, in disguise like the entire convention, and nobody knew. And then afterwards... She put something on Twitter that was like, had a great time and had a picture of her costume. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I walked by her like six times. <laughs> you have to admit, that's pretty smart. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She doesn't want to be mobbed. She just wants to go there and enjoy the nerd con, as we all do. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've yet to go, and I won't be going this year either. But hopefully next year. Next year is my year for trying to get to it. And then, then Mitch and then, will go into the pool. It'll be it time. Happens. It's Uh-oh. time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like you know, furiously getting his swimming lessons going oh boy yeah so that happened um the hollywood premiere obviously it was like you know big event all the movie stars were there all of the blizzard people were there we had uh dan o'halloran was there covering it for us um and he was snapping pictures check the blizzard watch twitter if you haven't because we do have quite a few pictures from the event and then he got he got jamie lee curtis he got the soldiers he got a lot of the stars yeah it, it was cool 
yeah, he got a lot. So yeah, that was actually like pretty entertaining. And um, I believe there is Legion information going out today. Yeah. Yeah, there's cool. a Legion summit, and Dan they were talking about that. They were talking about that on Twitter. Well, people were mentioning it on Twitter, and well, they, were already, they were already doing some heroes tweets too. They yeah, were, well, the the Legion summit that's going today is under a non-disclosure until Friday. So yeah, we'll anything... know more about that later. We don't even know what's going on right now. We just know it's happening, and yeah, yeah. So um, that's pretty much it for that. Really, I mean, the premiere was pretty cool. Uh, people seem to really be enjoying it. Like all the feedback coming back after they got out of the theater was, "This is a good movie." Um, yeah, it's it's one of those movies where like you look at Rotten Tomatoes and it's like really low critic score, but the the fan reviews are like up mid to upper nineties at this point. Well, and I think I think what's going on here too is that they did try to make the film so that anyone could get into it, but I think really yeah. at its root here where it's really going to appeal the most is to people that are fans of the game and the people that are fans of the game really seem to be enjoying it whereas the critics who have no idea what the heck warcraft is aren't so much yeah it it, yeah there's a lot of information and there's no way to fit it all in no And, and you know it's one of those it's also one of those things where if they make another film it did i want to say it opened in china and oh, set it, a record. It, it, yeah, it beat out um, Fast Seven or whatever the Fast and Furious Seven. Yeah, yeah. It it beat that for biggest opening, Midnight, I think. Midnight so, opening. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty big too, and I think that was either yesterday or the day before. I can't remember which, but yeah, it opened in China, and people are apparently devouring it there as well. And I'm looking forward to do, you know, I'm, devouring I'm it so, myself. Yeah, I cannot wait. Thursday. Just just another couple of days, so that'll be great. Um, what else do we got, Rossi? Uh, well, I mean, we just mentioned there's lots of stuff. The Heroes is going on the public test run with the Hero League. Yeah, Heroes going is on. doing a revamp that takes place actually a week from today. Okay, uh, you talk about that, Mitch, because you know about more about Heroes than I think either yeah. one of us do. So right now you have to do 20 placement matches, and at the end of the placement matches you get a rank, either you know 1 through 50, with 1 being the best. Um and it's one twenty placement matches is a lot. Uh, two, it's kind of hard to move through the ranks. Like, there's the post has kind of better details on it, but essentially, um, it can be a little hard to you get kind of stuck in your rank. So they're doing a revamp um, next week. So if you are interested in you know getting preseason rewards, which includes portraits uh, and mounts for like higher ranks. That's Hero and Team League. You have a week left to do that. Um, But what they're doing in a week is instead of having just ranks 1 through 50, it's going to be... It's a little... There's like bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and diamond. And then within each of those, you can be 5th place, gold, 4th place, gold, up to... you know. There's 5 places in each of those ranks. Beyond that, above diamond, there's like how many matchmaking points you've earned. So you can be master and then grandmaster. So it's it's a totally different system essentially, but they're they're trying to make it easier for players to kind of move up the ladder. Um, and they're also dividing it a little more, well, a little more clearly uh, than it has been in the past. Um, I've heard people comparing this to um, the League of Legends system. 
that there are similarities? Are there similarities? Are you familiar I'm with? I'm not that familiar with the league system. Okay. It, I know the league system does have something kind of like that, though, where it's not just numbers. Um, the other thing that they're adding, which is actually really cool, is, and we had a post on this a little while ago, is unranked draft, which is really nice for people who have no idea what Hero and Team League are about. Because for Hero and Team League, you ban each side bans two heroes, and neither side can have the same hero. Um, and that's the first time that happens. And in Hero League, it just gives someone the ability to ban um, and if you've never done Hero League and you like go to do even your placement matches right now, they'll just kind of throw it on you and you have to figure out who to ban. And there's typical heroes that you normally ban. But if you're not, you know, used to that, you might just when you say one. ban, you're saying neither event, side can use that. Neither dude. side can use that dude. OK. Yeah. And and instead of, you know, everyone picking their hero, it's like one side picks one. Other side picks two. Other side picks two. It's a back and forth kind of picking. So basically, you look for the equivalent to Bastion or May and kick that one out of, <laughs> out yeah, of the it, game. <laughs> it, it always ends up. It pretty much always ends up being Kael'thas and Morales. But the thing is, <laughs> they toss you into this, and it affects your rank and your teammates' ranks. Uh, so it can be kind of intimidating. So they're adding unranked draft, which essentially gives you the feel for what Hero League is going to be like without any of the penalty. So I think that's pretty nice if people are. You know, wanting to jump from quick match into Hero League, but a little nervous about it. It's kind of like training wheels. Yeah, exactly. And then we've got, obviously, Medivh is coming out next week. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, that's true as well. Okay. A big, big week for Heroes next week. Uh, and they also have the anniversary XP. I think it ends next week. Yeah, it ends on the 14th. It'll it be ends, next, it ends, next Tuesday. Yeah, it ends the day that Medivh comes out. And what I find really interesting about Medivh is they call him a support, but he's really... No, he's not they, a healer. He's more like a, a control specialist, don't they? No. Oh, is they he called support? him a support. I thought and he was and he's not. He doesn't really have any like healing spells in his arsenal or anything. All of his stuff is kind of about crowd control, pretty much. Like that. The the poly is it poly bomb? No, no. He is he is a specialist. He's a specialist. Okay. Yeah. So he yeah he has a weird toolkit and uh, Dan and I were kind of talking about this. We think he's going to be kind of like Morales, yeah. where he's pretty underused. He's difficult to master, but if you get someone uh, who's really good, like the one percenters who are really good at playing him, he'll be absolutely amazing. But the thing is, he has like one small offensive ability. Um, he has an ability that can well he's got that thing where he can make the The portal yeah Yeah, the portal it it, it looks kind of like a small version of the dark portal where you teleport between uh and i can't remember what his other ability is but he doesn't have force of will arcane rift raven form uh portal uh, polybomb and leyline seal raven form is a big one because he can fly fly. around and not be attacked he's basically immune when he's up in the air yeah, and he can go anywhere in the map without being attacked. So he can just report back and let people know what's going on in real time, which is, I that's got to be handy as all get out. Yeah, but I think, you know, he's going to be one of those heroes where it helps to be on voice chat or be with a coordinated yeah, team. Yeah, because... you're going to need to use Raven form properly because, yes, you're immune to attack, but it also means that your team is down a person. Right. Yeah, and so if, if, if you're scouting and you're like, oh, hey, the other team is here, you know, it's going to take some time to type that out and actually get your team coordinated. Hey, you I'm got to have a way spot. to, like, communicate quickly with them yeah. and get that across. I I still, the, the polymorph thing that he does. <laughs> polybomb. That's... Polybomb is, like, that's 
that's the one that's the eye-catching one to me because it you sheep somebody and then when their sheep goes off it it's an explosion that sheeps any other enemy players around them and it just chains back and forth indefinitely yeah so until they spread gonna, out yeah <laughs> it's they need gonna be to amazing out. on team fights because you the enemy team is gonna be grouped up you polybomb one of them, polybomb one of them, they are all going to scatter. And it's just going to be like sheep bombs <laughs> uh, all over the place. It's uh, fantastic. I thought that was great. They're flying sheep too, which is even He's better. Also, he does have a, he's got a shield. Uh, force of will is a yeah. barrier that protects an allied hero from all damage for 1.5 seconds, which isn't, you know, that's, you can't use that to heal. No, That's but not... it's useful in a clutch situation when you need that 1.5 seconds for. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, exactly. it's a good move. Um, um, so, this honestly, looking at this, this might be the hero's character I actually try and get good at. He he also, and this kind of ties into one of the questions, he has um, the Night Owl Medivh, which looks like one of the Watchmen characters. I can't remember who. but Night Owl. Night, oh, oh Night. yeah, and we'll get into that. We'll get into yeah, that it, later. But that, <laughs> that hero skin is, like, some of the ones that they've come out with recently, I've been like, eh, I'll just, you know, buy the hero with gold or whatever, but I'm totally going to get him with the... Um, with the night owl skin, because I think that one looks cool. And then we have one other bit of news, right, Rossi? Uh, just basically, somebody had asked about it on the site today, anyway. So I thought I would mention it that, that like, um, Overwatch started banning players almost immediately, and they had a big ban wave on June 3rd. And they've they've basically, if you've wondered about Overwatch cheating, botting, and so forth, Blizzard is serious about it. They are they are banning people. If you cheat, right you are out. Yeah, and, and not yeah. just like a warning. No, you're out for good. Not and not just like your account. Like this one person bought the game four times and could not play it on his computer. Yeah, yeah, they like, they they're serious. About he was locked down, like utter lockdown. Um, so they know, don't I, want cheaters in Overwatch. So don't do that. Okay. Since people have been asking <laughs> me about it, I thought it would be worth mentioning on the show. And yeah, they are not kidding. I honestly, I I, I kind of like the fact that they're taking it so seriously though because overwatch no, is well overwatch is one of those games like it's really kind of lighthearted and fun and yeah you're beating the heck out of each other but at the same time it's really lighthearted and fun and when you run into people you know why would you use a bot with that that just sucks the fun right out of it so yeah. i'm glad that they've like taken this stance and they're doing something like they're nipping that in the bud immediately <laughs> oh, <laughs> instead yeah. of waiting until the problem gets bad enough that they have to address it. No, they're they're just like step one, you're gone. <laughs> I, I think uh, to the the question Rossi's talking about kind of revolved around aim botting. Yes, um, that's correct. And I'm not like, you know, not to criticize anyone, but one of the things Blizzard posted when they first made this announcement about bans is that sometimes people are just really, really good at FPSs. Um so if you're like a, a Blizzard player who's like first in, you know, Overwatch is your, you know, first FPS or you're relatively new to FPSs, um, sometimes that person who just sees you out of nowhere and like turns the camera and shoots right away, they're just that good at aiming because they have like... Because they've crazy... been playing FPS games for 20 some odd yeah. years. That and uh, there was a video that actually went out today. Like the hitboxes on heads are actually kind of like a full crosshair in any direction bigger than your player's actual head. Um, so if you get headshot and you're not actually like the kill cam looks like you weren't shot in the head, it may just be that the game has a slightly, you know, normalized hitboxes for headshots. Um, but yeah, it's Blizzard is taking it very seriously. So there's, if you think someone's aimbotting it, it may not be that, but if it is, they're going to get caught. 
Yeah, they're not. It's not a situation that anyone can sustain. They are definitely not kidding about it. Yeah. But um, I think we should move on to emails because okay. we do have quite a few today. Um, as is usually the case, uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We pretty much talk about any game, and it can be lore or it can be gameplay. We don't. We're not at all concerned. You just you ask us a question, we'll do our best to answer it. Um, and. Our first email today comes from Idina Terakar, EU, who says, Dear Watcher, Dear Watchers, I guess that was supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, says, There are no spoilers about the movie in this email. Thank you, because none of us have seen it yet. And they say, But can you tell me what books I can read that will give more lore backstory to Medivh and Cadgar, please? Okay, uh, The Last Guardian. That's the big one, really. Um, there's a little bit in the Warcraft comics. And cycle of hatred, and there's a little there's a little bit in cycle of hatred, yeah. But the majority of it is going to be in Last Guardian. It's a really and good book too. Worth mentioning too that the movie isn't 100% like tied into that lore. I don't know how true that is for even Cadgar, um, but there it, also is the official like movie comic or novel or whatever that came out today. I think. Yeah, yeah and, Bonds of Brotherhood is actually, it's like a prequel to the movie, and it's about Medivh and Lothar and Lane, I think. Yeah? Yep, that's what it said in the uh, preview for it. Yeah, so that that's one you'd want to check out, too. That one's specifically movie canon, so you might want to check that one out and pick it up. And yes, there is a digital version available, as well as the hardcover. I ordered the hardcover because I didn't see a digital version available, so... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> but that ought to give you enough to go on. Um, next email is from Ultimega and level 80 orc warrior on Korgath, who says, are any of you familiar with the Watchmen comic or movie? Yes. Yes. Uh, he says, the more that I learn about Overwatch lore, the more it reminds me of the core Watchmen plot. A group of heroes and some not so heroes come together to save the world, only to have the world turn against them and the world goes to hell. Watchmen even has ex-members plotting against them while other ex-members try to reestablish the group. It seems like it could have served as the seed for the Overwatch story. If any of you know Watchmen, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks for the great content. I just became a patron. Thank you, Ultimega. I'm going to say you. that this isn't a case... I don't think this is a case of Overwatch being directly linked to Watchmen, just so much as Watchmen is a huge comic book that's had a big effect on comics the past 20, 30 years. Oh, so much. And, and it's less that what Overwatch is trying to ape it, and more that just Watchmen looms large. I mean, there's elements from Dark Knight Returns in here, too, the older grizzled heroes coming back sort of thing. It's just... It's kind of unescapable. Those books were were very big in the 80s, and they affected everything that comes after. Um, Overwatch certainly has what what you mentioned is certainly a part of Watchmen, but I mean we, we don't know what the ultimate plot, the the reason Overwatch got disbanded. The we don't we don't actually know what the real secrets are yet. I'd be real surprised if it turned out to be like you know, um, Soldier 76 is in fact behind everything, and you know. <laughs> In the end, New York gets destroyed. Uh, if I'm spoiling Watchmen for you, what are you doing? The book has been out since the mid-80s. Go read Watchmen. You should probably go read it because it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, another aspect of uh, Overwatch, that ki I don't think this is really part of Watchmen. Um, you know, Remember, it came from Titan, and I think originally there's some article out there that talks about they wanted Titan's trailer to be like this normal shopkeeper during the day, like, you know, goes somewhere else at nighttime and becomes a superhero and kind of the theme of everyone can be a hero. 
And that's sort of yeah. what you're seeing with characters like Diva and May who weren't part of the original Overwatch. So that's another big thing. Hey, May of... was part of Overwatch. She was the original? No, she wasn't part of the original, but she came in after the Omnic Crisis was disbanded. Okay. I'm actually writing about her for this week's Know Your Lore. So I'm like in the middle of, <laughs> of learning about May right now and writing all that down for okay, people. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to keep, you know, who was who joined when. She uh, looks really straight. young and she looks really young because she went into cryostasis and stayed there. For yeah, like this okay. long period, she she went when she went into cryostasis. Overwatch was a thing, and when she woke up, it was not. <laughs> okay, yeah, but but that's you know that's another big theme is anyone can be a hero, and that's why you see a lot of the newer characters at yeah. least. And who Overwatch I can't. Overwatch is straight. yeah. Overwatch is a lot more, um, for lack of a better word, it's a lot more sunny than Watchmen. Watchmen's Watchmen, kind of grim. Yeah. Watchmen is a book where. Oh, yeah. Richard Nixon was president for like 20 years. Uh, it's a book where, you know, a, a superhuman being ended the Vietnam War in like a couple of hours. It, it's a world that's on the brink of nuclear annihilation. Watchmen's a lot more comic booky. I mean, uh, Overwatch is a lot more comic booky than Watchmen, which was a comic book. But it was, you know, Overwatch is very definitely taking cues from, you know, f- from the movies like the Avengers movie. Um, like from Pixar car- stuff, Pixar stuff like Incredibles, um, the old G.I. Joe cartoon, um, actual comic books. And for that matter, um, it is it's drawing a little from games like Team Fortress 2 and it's in, in its presentation and DNA. So in all these ways, it's different than Watchmen. But, yeah, I think Watchmen had an effect on Overwatch simply because I don't think you can do a game like this or a story like this and not be aware of Watchmen. I mean, it's just anytime you delve, well, yeah. anytime you delve into the superhero genre, you're going to be influenced by everything that's come before. And a lot of these stories that have come before are so massive and were so relevant. Then, yeah, that, yeah, when you're when you're writing it, when you're thinking about development, you're probably thinking about these stories, like these really big stories that you've heard over the years. Um I'm excited to see where they go with it from here. Now that the game is out, I want oh, I want to see wait. what they're going to do next. I, I've I've been showing my little brothers the clips that have come out, and they like you know I was kind of rationing it out, and they're like, "Oh, can we watch another one today?" And they finally got through all of them, and they're like, "Has another one come out?" And I was like, "Not yet, <laughs> but I'm waiting." But they're like, they're excited for more. Yeah, yeah, I, it's definitely. It's just, yeah, I, I agree with that. The Watchmen, I mean, I keep saying Watchmen now because of this email. Overwatch, I mean, I, I wrote a breakfast topic about it today. I, can, I have a very hard time playing Overwatch because I can't see out of one of my eyes. That's going to make it hard, yeah. And the other eyes got problems. Um, but the story of Overwatch fascinates me, and I think it's it's beautifully presented. It's, it, this is a game yeah. that you can just watch people play. Like, I've, yeah, I've exactly. watched people play it. It's like, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'll watch it. Um, watching like, you know, Genji uses ultimate or watching like a play of the game when Diva blows up people with her Mac, uh, you know, you can just sit and watch this thing. She's like, you know, on the one hand, part of me is like, part of me is like, that's your Mac. You can't just shoot your Mac at people. Now you don't have a Mac. And the other part of me is like, she just blew up the whole team with that thing. That's amazing. So yeah, I, I think definitely there's some similarity just because I don't think you can do a future on the brink game like this that's that's got four color comic book type characters in it and not like nod to overwatch to nod to watchmen see what i'm doing here i can't help it overwatchmen who watches watches over the overwatchmen (laughs) i think um 
what really excites me about Overwatch the most right now is that this is a brand new IP. Like, brand new. The story is just beginning. And I'm really excited that we get to watch that story unfold, like, from the very beginning. Because, I mean, Warcraft's always been there. Diablo, yeah, this... Diablo's always been there. And, and uh, Heroes is new, yeah, but it's not really, like, a story so much as they've taken all these characters from, you know, it's it's kind of they, like an outside thing. They call out to the fact that, like, don't think about it too hard. Right, right. So, and StarCraft, StarCraft's been around forever. This is the first time that we've had, like, a totally, completely brand new IP come out, and we get to, like, we just get to watch it grow. I think it's great. So, I, I love, yeah. All I right. Want, I want more stories out of them. <laughs> Definitely. So, next email is from Artholin. Boulderpaw, Night Elf Druid, Emerald Dream Server, who says, Greetings, watchers. Today, I was in Hillsbrad Foothills, finally getting that Plants vs. Zombies battle pet. Really? It took you this long? Okay. Anyway, um, no judgments there. While I was in the zone, I took a look at the map, and having just finished Warcraft Chronicle, something caught my eye. The area surrounding the ruins of Altrak and the mountains to their south look suspiciously like a giant hand. In fact, if I remember correctly, one of the Horde side quests in Hillsbrad sends you to these mountains, calling them the Finger Mountains or something to that effect. According to Chronicle, Tyr's hand was placed atop his burial site in Tirisfall and watched over by the Vrykul, but its current location is uncertain. Do you think there's any chance that it's under these mountains. Obviously, for Tyr's palm to be the size of the ruins of Alterac, he'd have to be even more enormous than he seems to be described. But could the terrain have formed around it over the millennia? It's near enough to Tyr's final resting place that it might be plausible. Interested to hear your thoughts, Arthal and Boulderplaw. Well, we actually find out where his hand is, so... Yeah, so... Small, small legion spoilers. I don't I know if we want to... Do we want to... Do we want to spoil just, it? That if we... if. I think we should because it's, you know, it's an actual artifact. We talk about it. It's not like secret. Oh, okay. It's one of the artifacts. It's, yeah. it takes place. I think the warrior and the priest, I don't know if any others go there, but warrior goes to the actual. Okay. Tomb. I don't think we need yeah. to go over like the detail details, but give us a, a summary. And if you're, if you're not wanting Legion spoiler info, skip forward like about eh, two, three minutes. You're good. Mitch, you hit the priest version, and if the warrior version differs, I'll throw in. Okay, skip together, skip forward about five minutes. Right. <laughs> go ahead, so, Mitch. So, I mean, with the priest version, you're basically you go into um, his his tomb, Tears Tomb, um, and there's cultists and everything down there, and this guy's trying to basically resurrect a, a lieutenant or some kind of faceless one that served the old gods, and you stop them. But there's there's not much actually involved with Tear. It's just that you go to his tomb. And uh, the warrior version, we actually stopped that guy because the priest failed and he does get up because I guess priests what? don't know what you're doing. He gets up. Takash gets up. You guys screwed up. And he we does? Oh, yeah. Wow. We, he gets up. You we, didn't succeed. We drain him completely and like nope. his body's gone. Nope. He gets up. What the? F Sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, though, um, I'm actually not sure it's the same guy. Um, the guy that we fight is Akaj, who is a giant faceless one general. He looks just like Vizax and uh, those guys. Mm. And he's got Thornton. I'm not going to talk anymore about this, but he's got something in his head. You take it out and kill him. Boom. Uh, but in both cases, there's actually a paladin artifact also that is called the Silver Hand. That's also tied into Tyr. So that's all Legion stuff. Uh, it is not 
related to Alterac or under Alterac in any way. It's all up. If you if you remember Anne wrote a KYL a while ago about what's going on in this weird place with these fairy dragons all flying around in a circle, it's over there. There's stuff going on there, and it involves old gods, which I knew it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, like, what's going on with Alterac, um, well, the the place was ruined because it's it they kind of let the horde through during the, the, the second war. Alterac has a sordid history. But in terms of it, like if there's anything mystical going on there, there kind of is, and we don't know what it is. We know that the burning Legion cultists were working with the syndicate uh, back in vanilla. And they were talking about the third army and they never really specified what the third army was or what it had to do with the region, but it was very involved in the story of the area. So we might find out more about it in Legion, or it might never come up. Uh, but that's that was ha- that's what was happening back in Vanilla, and it was connected not just to Alterac, but also to uh, Arathi Highlands and Stromgard. So there's weirdness going on. It's never been fully explained, but it's not Tears Hand. Alterac, yeah, Alterac has kind of a seedy history, and if you want to know more about that, look up um, Paranold. Yeah. On probably like Wowpedia or something like that. Paranold had a lot to do with that and a lot to do with the development of the syndicate. And it all, it all kind of went down during and just after the second war, there was a lot going on there. And yeah, I think it's a good story. Honestly, I wish that they had done more with Alterac. It kind of, after cataclysm, it just kind of like, it's there, but nothing's really. They merged it in with the, the, the same zone as South shore and Terra mill. They made it all one zone. Yeah. And it just kind of doesn't do anything anymore. Like, there's no, like, we used to have reasons to go there. Especially, like, I think by making it more strictly Forsaken, ma- making it a Horde territory, and, like, Alliance don't really go there anymore, it kind of lost the, the dual stories. Like, both Alliance and Horde used to go up to Alltrack looking for, like, a, what is it, a crown? I think so, yeah. And now that, that quest is no, gone. No, wait. The Horde went up there because they were looking for Taratha's necklace. Yeah, and the alliance were going up for a crown. Like there was the crown of the Paranol dynasty was up there. Right. And now you just don't go there, and it's unfortunate because there was a lot going on there. There was a lot of weird little stories going up there, going on up there that never really got resolved. It was more like Deathwing showed up, rocks fell, everyone died, and that was that. Yeah. <laughs> so much for the legacy. Anyway. I mean, I think we're going to have another email talking about that subject, but one of the things I just want to say really fast is that one of the reasons I don't like the Cataclysm revamp had nothing to do with it being good or bad, but it's the fact that before Cataclysm, WoW kind of felt timeless. Like, it was just WoW, but after Cataclysm, it always feels tied to Cataclysm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's, well, that's the problem you run into with any expansion, really. I do like that particularly in legion they have you bopping around to parts of the world that were you know expansions ago and actually bringing them forward and making them relevant again yeah Um, it's something that's very cool yeah i just i just feel like cataclysm has more drastic effect than other expansions because other expansions it's like five or ten levels worth of everything being frozen in time and this one's 60 yeah, Cataclysm freezes everything from 1 to 60 in the Cataclysm period. So you're in Cataclysm, then you go back to BC, then you're in Wrath, then you're in Cataclysm again, then you're out of Cataclysm. And, just, and then when you're at max level, yeah. you're still back in Cataclysm anytime you go to those zones. Which is weird. It feels yeah. weird, but that's okay. Um, well, it's not okay, but I don't want them to waste like 
an expansion's worth of time trying to anyway we'll we'll go let's go to the next email because we're going to get to this again we'll we'll touch on this again before we finish for the for the day here um our next email is from luotian i think i'm saying that right i think luotian but i'm not sure well there's that there's yeah there's there's parentheses there and it says luotian a blood elf hunter from Terranus. Who says, hi, watchers. I just realized the other day that I've been listening to you guys nearly every week for over five years now. Altogether, you guys own nearly ten and a half days of my life. That's pretty wild to think about. It's time. No. Um, <laughs> uh, he says, anyway, because I trust your opinion, I picked up Dawn of the Aspects. I'm wary of knack books after I couldn't get through the first chapter of War of the Ancients. It was an excellent read or listen, really, since I picked it up on Audible that I enjoyed. And I very much wish I could see more of the young aspects and their friendship. I am curious, though. Why did Alex Straza become the Dragon Queen? She didn't really do all that much besides chase Ysera around. It wasn't until the very end that she even started to show an inkling of leadership ability. If anything, it feels like Malagos should have been the Dragon Lord. What do you think was the Watcher's Titan's justification for making her the head of the Dragon Flights? Why do you think the others went along with it? Thanks again for all your amazing work. Hoping to hear you 250 hours more. Your loyal Patreon supporter, Luotion. Um, honestly, I, I don't... Th- the problem with like her being the Dragon Queen is that dragons don't necessarily the the five aspects didn't necessarily view her as the supreme leader we must all do what she says all the time but more as along the lines of like the head of a council sort of situation where all the aspects are important figures it's just that she's the best diplomat she's the best they listen to her because she tends to be even measured and she tends to keep things moving not so much you know drop to my knees obey alexstrasza pretty obviously if deathwing ever felt that way he got over it it's just um, anybody can talk to Alex Straza, and yeah. they and they can't necessarily talk to the others. Go to Ysera and be the problem for half an hour and see what we, how that gets you. That's not like, going to get you very far. And and go talk to Malagos about your trouble. Have you tried using magic? Yeah. And Malagos, you have to realize that Dawn of the Aspects, the visions that the visions that were being shown there were all from Malagos's perspective, and it it wasn't he wasn't there like. He wasn't playing the part of Malagos. He was basically hitchhiking in Malagos's mind. So he thought what Malagos was thinking. And Malagos's perceptions of different situations may or may not have been the correct perceptions and possibly looked at himself in a better light than he actually was. Because that's just how you look at yourself. You think you're awesome. It's a deliberate, unreliable narrator. Right, right. For instance, we're not sure what happens with Tyr, because Malagos didn't know. And also keep in mind, too, that the the perspectives aren't just from the perspectives of Malagos. They're perspectives of Malagos before, and then, you know, he he wasn't an aspect yet. No, it was proto, proto Malagos. Proto Drakes aren't the sharpest. I mean, Malagos was way smarter than your average proto-drake, but that's he still wasn't an ascended dragon. He yeah. wasn't an aspect yet. And Caligos, Caligos had absolutely no influence on anything that was happening. All he yeah. could do was observe, because that's what the artifact was for, was yeah. just to observe and remind the aspects of where they had come from, um, and what had happened to make them what they are, and remind them of their duty, and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, as far as Alex Straza goes... Honestly, I think the only reason they made her like the queen per se is because she had dominion over life itself. Yeah, it sort of ties everything together. Yeah, binds which, 
throughout the galaxy. Magic, I mean, magic or, doesn't matter if you're not alive to experience it. Time doesn't pass <laughs> if you're not alive. You know, you don't dream if you're not alive. All of this, uh, it all ties back to life. And, and I think that's maybe why she was established as the Dragon Queen. But it was never one of those things where she was like, like Rossi said, it was never a bow down to me situation or anything like that. It was just Alex Straza was kind of the main representative of that particular group. Like if you Cal- read other Callan, books- sorry to interrupt in the oh, comment comment just said she's like dragon mom yeah she's like dragon mom yeah. <laughs> i'm not mad i'm just disappointed but uh if you, like, seriously if you read a couple of the other books like for instance um thrall um i want to say trial aspects yeah the thrall book and uh war crimes you get a sense alex Straza almost it's almost less that alex Straza rules and more that everybody defers to her because they just can't not it's just you know her compassion and her like willing her universal love is so vast that it's very hard to not want to do what she says just cause you, you feel bad. Yeah. Like, even, even while he was asking her questions, uh, Bane felt awful. You pick know? up, pick up thrall twilight of the aspects. Cause that one does that delves into her in particular a little more Alex Raza anyway. And Yasera and no Stormo to a degree. It's just a good book. I liked that one. Um, that one wasn't knack though. That one was golden. So heads up before you go into it. But I think you could find that one on audiobook too. So, all right. Uh, I think we're at our last question actually. Oh, we're blazing through them this week. Yeah, this is a really long question though. Um, here we go. But we'll go ahead and get through it anyway. This is from Pezhead Worgen Rogue. Shout out to Rogue Buddy and Achievement Hunting Pack Rat on the Tychondrius server, who says, "Hello, Watchers. First, I want to thank you for all the effort put into the site and podcast. I've been following the gang long before you were Blizzard Watch, and can't imagine WoW without you. So, thanks again for everything. Aw, thank you." Uh, he says, my question is this. In a number of recent podcasts, the hosts have talked about the joy of adventuring through a pre-cataclysm Azeroth, noting that it would be nice to see things progress beyond the wreckage left by that jumbo jerk Deathwing. I share their feelings on this and would love to see Azeroth restored, if not upgraded. That said, do you think the developers might be working towards another world revamp, introducing new game mechanics in Warlords and Legion as a test before dropping another Azeroth revamp? I mean, we can already toggle between two versions of the Blasted Lands, and Legion is introducing a new zone scaling mechanic that allows us to quest in any order we choose. What's stopping them from giving players a way to toggle between current Azeroth and a new post-Cataclysm Azeroth? As much as Rossi wants to go to Argus, maybe we should put it off to level through areas we're a little more familiar with first. What do you think? Do you think this is something the devs might already be working towards? If so, how would you like to see this implemented? What would you want to revisit at level 120? Where would you level first? Maybe this might make it possible to implement a new leveling slash prestige system. For me, nothing would make me happier than to revisit Felwood, Ashenvale, and Darkshore again in that order. That's all for now. Thanks for taking the time to read this, and thanks again for adding to my gaming experience. I'd sooner do without my favorite bag and bar mods, so keep up the good work. Sincerely, Pezhead. That's a lot of questions. Okay, I'm going to first say that I don't think that they're working towards that. Um, mainly because I think after Cataclysm, they're incredibly gun-shy about revamping old content in terms of the enormous amount of time it turned out to take. Like, they did not... They went into Cataclysm not expecting it to become what it did. Um, it, it, when they redid Cataclysm, they're like, okay, this needs to get done. It's going to be a great thing. And players still don't really grasp the concept that Cataclysm was a 1 through 60 revamp expansion more than anything and 
when you revamp one through 60 and people already have characters at max level, fewer people are going to see that content. Um, so I think they expected way more people to see the one through 60 and then the, you know, max level stuff. And it was more, you know, a lot of people saw the max level stuff and the one through 60 stuff was just like, well, why'd you waste time on this? I spent a lot of cataclysm telling people to reroll a new alt and go play through that one to yeah. 60 content. Cause it was great. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. Revamp. Yeah, well, it's just that people I, didn't play it. When I talk about cataclysm, I mean, one of the things that, that comes up and I've, I remember reading this from multiple people is that they didn't know how much work it was going to be and, or that they were going to mm-hmm. end up revamping as many zones as they did as drastically as they did. Um, the, the amount of time and effort spent was completely not what they were expecting. And it sort of snowballed to like, you know, the, oh, we did, we did this. Now we have to redo that. And, oh, well, we changed this to this level. So now we have to change this because these people have to have a place to go. Yeah. Cataclysm accomplished two things really effectively. First was it, it, it equalized Horde and Alliance leveling content. Before this, Horde had maybe a third and the Alliance had the other two thirds. Of um, zones to level yeah. in. Yeah, zones and- of content in general. And the the unfortunate downside to this to this equalizing is it feels like the horde is kicking the alliance's butts for enti- like 60 levels. If you're an alliance player, it feels like you're getting your butt handed from to a, you. Yeah, from a story standpoint, it feels like the alliance is getting a lot of stuff taken away from them, which they are. Um, yeah. But for, if you everything. step back and you look at it just purely from, oh, game mechanic standpoint, just flat... 50-50 divide between leveling zones. That's all they were doing was they were reestablishing that divide and equaling it out. Yeah, if if each zone, if each faction has if one faction has one third and the other faction has two thirds, what you have to do is take a third and then split that third in half and give it to each group. Okay, this is getting too mathy for me. Yeah, but, yeah. but my I, point's just my point is just that when you do that, one side feels like it just got something. And and they did, but it's just what they should have had to begin with. The other side feels like it lost something which they did but it's stuff they didn't really need anyway but on on top of that though i think i don't know if this is what led or leads to this perception but the alliance zones like even the ones that are purely alliance aren't all that happy like dark no. shore is yeah. totally messed up westfall is depressing. nothing in cataclysm like, was particularly happy for either yes, side well, honestly the horde, the horde has triumphalism going on because they're currently being led by garage oh yeah and garage has his warm and that's the thing the thing, I, the problem I have with Cataclysm is that that's permanent. Like, I, I answered a question in the queue today when someone was like, you know, did you guys ever even play Horde? It's like, I've played Horde several times. I've leveled Horde several times. My biggest problem is I can't have that pre-Cataclysm Horde experience of being an underdog, banding together with my allies to get through a rough world. Instead, I get, we conquer everything. Yeah. That's my leveling experience. Oh my gosh, you just like, Wow. Yeah. Okay, you nailed That's it on you nailed it on the head. When I okay, my first character in World of Warcraft was a Night Elf Druid. And once I finished getting that Night Elf Druid to 60, I decided to go play Horde. And when I went to play Horde, the reason I really enjoyed playing it was because you really had this experience where it felt like, oh, it's you against the world and you band together with these other people who are also just struggling to establish this place in the world. And it just it felt really good. It, mm-hmm. it felt like it felt like you had like a really good purpose. You know, it, the, the conflict there, it wasn't Alliance versus Horde so much as it was Horde versus Azeroth, almost. 
Because well, they were trying that's... to establish a place. That's exactly. part of the reason the Horde formed, was they right. needed each other. Right, they needed each other, and they needed have... to band together. And then Cataclysm, when they brought in that Cataclysm revamp, all of a sudden, it's the Horde warring with itself, which just feels really dissonant and doesn't feel right. And that's why, that's why it doesn't sit well with me. And I don't think I'd ever looked at it like that before. Thank you, Rossi. The thing is, I have people. People know I'm anti-Forsaken. Like I don't like their storyline. But the thing is, I have two Forsaken characters that I rolled back in vanilla. They're both warriors. I keep them leveled. Like I don't. They're not max level right now. But I keep them going. I play them. When I rolled them, Forsaken were fine to play, in my opinion. That I I liked their story because they were the ultimate misfits. Everything that had happened to them had happened to them. They hadn't done it. It's not like the Forsaken went out to get the plague. Most, if you were playing a Forsaken, you got royally, I can't use the word, but, you know, you got shafted. Everything, and you were stuck in a world where you, you know, your own people hated you because you're dead. And you have to, like, you know, everything made sense. Like, the idea that there's a cult around Sylvanas, of course there is. She freed you from the Lich King. And you have you're no the, other... You were, yeah. you were the lost and forlorn okay. remnants yeah. Broken remnants of what was once the greatest kingdom on Azeroth. It made perfect sense, and I liked it fine. It wasn't, you know, my first choice as a character, but the story. But ever since then, the Forsaken have brought every ounce of hate they have on themselves. They bomb cities with plague bombs. They completely overthrow kingdoms that have nothing to do with them. They invade other areas and, and decide to expand. And then they like, why doesn't anyone like us? Because uh, liking you is inviting getting murdered. Um, yeah, that's love why. the Forsaken. I get... It just it doesn't it doesn't feel good to me because, like I said, that vanilla experience. It was Horde versus Alliance to a degree, but it was more so Horde versus the world, and... Horde, Horde versus establishing a place. You know, getting some kind of stake in the world. And now with the Cataclysm revamp and with the whole Garrosh Hellscream storyline going on, it it very much, it, it turned into what in Pandaria would literally become Horde versus Horde. Yeah, and it's it's one of those situations that really doesn't, I, I don't want them to do another big revamp. I don't because I really feel like if they do, it has to actually be a revamp and not an expansion. Well, here's my question, right? Um, and I think this is kind of what Pezhead was going for, but I'm not sure. What if they had two versions of Azeroth and one of them is that 1 to 60 leveling experience, same as usual, and then when you hit 110, you zone into Azeroth 2.0. See, this, okay, this and is what I have And you have to level through all those zones all over again, so but you can pick long. your own path because you've got that level scaling thing going on that's going on in the Broken Isles. This, see, this is kind of what I wanted when Cataclysm first came out. I wanted Cataclysm to have something where you do the whole leveling experience like normal. Once you get to level 80 or whatever it is at the end of Wrath, you unlock the Cataclysm Zones, and then you can... With the cinematic, that cinematic of Deathwing flying over and torching everything. Exactly, and then you can, you know, toggle between those for new characters or something, just so that there's... Old Azeroth is separate instance in Cataclysm Azeroth. Yeah, but they had to create new Azeroth for a very specific reason. They wanted to introduce flying on original Azeroth, and in order to do that, they had to rebuild the entire terrain. No, I know, I'm, but I'm saying like I wanted like completely separate instances. All, all I know is the way I'm looking at it. I don't think that you can basically. I don't know how to put this because I, I'm not really like a really a big fan of 
bringing old Azeroth back at this point. I just, I, it's not a thing I like. Okay, but Rossi. But, but, but Rossi, to answer your question. But Rossi. Go. I have, I have one thing to say. Okay. Stromgard. Honestly, old Stromgard is terrible. What about what? What if at one ten we go back and they've actually done something substantial with the storyline out there? A, I would pass out. I know, um, but wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> it would be cool, but one of the things I'd like to see is if if they did something like that, going from like say like one ten to one twenty, if we were actually leveling on an, a new Azeroth and that was our leveling zones was Azeroth one ten to one twenty, I'd like to see them different zones. Like, different, like, why would, you know, it doesn't have to be the exact same zones we leveled through in terms of size. You could have a much larger zone, like, all of Stranglethorn's one zone that you level through for, like, two levels or whatever. So, kind of like what like they did with Alterac and Hillsbred. Like, Northern Kalimdor, where Darkshore, Ashenvale, Fellwood, yeah. Teldrassil, it's all, like, one so like collected. Sub-zones, yeah, those will be, like, sub-zones in the new big zone, because we're 110 to 120, we're not running around killing spiders anymore. No. See and what what I would rather happen uh, if we get a new expansion that does something kind of like this is sort of an expansion of Legion's World Quest or Adventure Mode or whatever it is called, yeah. uh, where you hit max level and then just dozens of quests open up. And, but except instead of where Legion does it, where those quests are like, hey, go to High Mountain, hey, go to you know Stormheim, where they want, just send hey, you all over. They send want, you to Azeroth. Like different yeah. parts of old Azeroth, and you have a max level only quest in See, Silverpine or in Stranglethorn. Here's the other thing though, that might be kind of cool if you're doing that kind of thing. There's no reason that Pandaria and Northrend can't be on new Azeroth. It, it, yeah, because, that, that too. They exactly. Are. Exactly. So, I mean, imagine being able to go back to Northrend and see. Here's one of the things that gets me is um, Howling Fjord is right next to the Broken Isles. Yeah, it's on its doorstep. Right. It's right there. It's also a gorgeous and zone. I've always thought, why why have we not been here before now? I mean, the the Vrykul on the Broken Isles are essentially people who left Howling Fjord were like, peace out, we're tired of you. Um, it's just like, there's so much, because of the way expansions work, there's stuff that doesn't connect that in the world would connect. And that's one of the things, like Northrend became its own place and not, there's no connections, but you're sailing by it all the freaking time. Why wouldn't you stop there from time to time? Why would... Level constraints are artificial because of gaming. With the scaling technology, they don't have to be there. You can go if you're level. Say you're leveling with the new scaling technology in this new Azeroth. And you're leveling from like 110 to 120. You can go from Ashenvale to the Borean Tundra to Zulfarak back to Pandaria. And you know what I'm saying? Like, see the the one problem with that, and this you kind of address this, but like. If, if you're doing scaling in a Azeroth 2.0 or whatever, you would have to have the storylines would have to be kind of closed off to a certain area. So they couldn't, like, they would have to have a complete storyline in every single zone. So right now, for example, you have Tourist Fall, then you go to Silverpine, then you go to Hillsbrad. Too, there's too many zones for 110 it, to 120. Ex- exactly. So, like, they but would have to make But if you combined it... them, if you well, combine yeah, them that's... so that you had, like... That's Using the, the example I had earlier, where you have Ashenvale, Darkshore, Fellwood, Teldrassil, and maybe even like um, obviously the Exodar and the Azure Mist Isles because they're right there, right? You have that as one zone, and that doesn't tell the story of these individual zones. What it tells is it tells the story of the Night Elves and the Draenei that are in that area and what they're doing to recover. And yeah. like, say, yeah. out in 
Uh, oh, Gilneas. We need to take back Gilneas. <laughs> let's see that happen. Let's let's put in Gilneas. Yeah, like Gilneas, be... the ruins of South Shore, Stromgard, make all of that. Like the the lower half of Lordaeron. Let's let's get the alliance to take that back again, and then we'll have the Forsaken take the upper half, and there'll be like a back and forth going there. Uh, there's a lot they could do with that, where they would just make it like a chunk, a big mm-hmm. chunk, and each of these yeah. big chunks has like this overarching story, like the dwarves and the and the gnomes and like the areas surrounding those places. That could all be like one big scaling yeah. story that involves them. Hold them on. This this stuff. is where the though, goblins. Think... Let's go back. You know, you know, um, we had like Kazan or whatever. Kazan's still out there. We need to go back to it. Let's the go back to most it. Most beautiful water, and I'm still disappointed. We can't and let's go back to Colteris while we're at it. I mean, there's <laughs> but, like yeah. there's a lot of stuff that Zandalar. Let's go find Zandalar. There's a lot of stuff on Old Azeroth that could like theoretically be used in this fashion were it implemented correctly. That I, said, I would. Do I think they're going to do else. this? No. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would still prefer that if we go back to Azeroth, it would be like the adventure mode world questing. And they could still tell the story of the humans or the Night Elves or the Forsaken, like a chunk of zone, but have it just be max level content. Um, where Because I think if they had any expansion and were like, hey, you're leveling in Azeroth, no matter what they do, it's not going to have a positive player reaction. So I think if they send us to old Azeroth, it would have to be like, hey... You just leveled through whatever. Like, say they did this for Legion. You just leveled through the Broken Isles. Now we have a quest to send you to Northern Lordaeron and do max level stuff. I would rather they do that to complete the stories um, where they just send you to Azeroth after you level through a new expansion's continent and kind of try to tie it in together or use it to tell individual stories. It's, it's hard to say because like it's hard to say because Legion right now, all we really have is whatever the first patch is going to be. And- yeah. Really, I mean, the main reason why I say make these giant chunks of zones, uh, this expansion in particular, Legion, the one that's coming out, Legion seems to be focusing on classes and class identity. Well, why don't we focus on the different races and the racial identity and the racial stories? Because really, all we've had so far is we've had the focus on one or two races in particular, like Burning Crusade, it was all about the Blood Elves and the Draenei. And what was going on with them and to a lesser degree, you know, the other stuff that was going on. And then you go to Wrath of the Lich King and a lot of the storyline there was very much focused on humanity because we're dealing with the Lich King. So there was a lot of throwbacks to Warcraft 3. And then there was a bunch of orc stuff, too, where it was like, oh, hey, wow, Garrosh is doing some crazy things and whatnot. But there wasn't like... A a core focus on everyone? No, I'm going to say... Legion totally... Sets yeah. up for Forsaken and Gilneas lore. Legion is like actually Legion Isles. is the first time the Forsaken have actually really gotten a lore focus. If you think about it, yeah, because Sometimes... they got a little bit of one in Wrath, but not like the gigantic one that you'd think that they would have. Had. And they, they got, got a they little got bit set cataclysm. up in Cataclysm, but they never finished it, and it was just so. I I want the Cataclysm Forsaken story to go further. Because I, I love, you know, I know, Rossi, you hate the Forsaken, but I love I the Forsaken. Like the, I don't like the story effect of the Forsaken because it can never be resolved as long as they're playable race. But what I'm saying here is they could focus on all of this whole racial identity and how that fits within the core of the Alliance or fits within the heart of the Horde. And on top of all of that, that would give them a very good reason to revamp Azeroth and clean up the Cataclysm damage. Yeah. That's that... If they wanted to do that, 
if they wanted to update to a post-cataclysm Azeroth and make it like better again. In order to do that, they would have to do that hand in hand with the development of another expansion. Yeah. Not as leveling content for like, oh, you go back to one to sixty, you can do this. Because not everybody does one to sixty anymore. There's a lot Especially of people that do the paid can, boosts when and you can stuff. Boost characters. Right? I, if so if they do the revamp and this was mentioned in the question, I think it should still have a toggle between Cataclysm, Absolutely. Uh, Azeroth and whatever new because I think that's one of the biggest issues that, you know, happened with Cataclysm is that they completely got rid of old Azeroth and, you know, that there's a whole whole different topic about vanilla servers and all that stuff, but I think if they had left it's, a different instance version of it that you could toggle between. It's it just a matter of how far that phasing technology can reach, because obviously they can yeah. do it with an entire zone. They did it in Blasted Lands, but can they do it with the entire world? It would. Ha- I mean, it would have to be like, you know, um, Eastern Kingdoms and Kalimdor are technically separate instances, so it would have to be like an o- its own instance, basically. I don't know. I, I don't know if they could do it. I don't know if they could do an entire continent phasing. I think the they might actually have to be like be an zone to a different instance. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at this point we've talked about this, and I think we're gonna have to move on because it's near the end of the show. Yeah. So, if you don't mind. <laughs> Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ann, and thank you very much, Mitch, for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was fun. Um, this has been Blizzard Watch. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host, and we'll see you guys next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.